Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday to you. Hope you had a great weekend. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. And uh, let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. We had such good news. Really, let's circle back. Get caught up together, shall we? Let's do that first and foremost. Uh, it all began, did the weekend of festivities and goodness is what I'll call it, with Friday and our friends at the second harvest of the Big Ben as we uh, went ahead and had a great time uh, golfing over there at uh, Capital City Country Club, and they did a great job of hosting it. And uh, I mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it again. Tom did a really good job with all the logistics leading up to it. He always does. Um, and then, of course, their workers as well when on the day of were fantastic. Phenomenal. Made everything run so smoothly. And then I think the people who, who had teams and participated in the event, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, I think they all had a good time. It seemed to me everybody I ran into and had a opportunity to speak with uh, enjoyed themselves, and we all did that with this awesome opportunity to, to – you know, just to shine a light on an area of need and have folks do what they do, which is be good and give and try to better our community. And that worked out. We did that. And, and we raised a lot of money uh, for the second harvest of the Big Ben. And, and hopefully we'll continue to to grow this event as we have uh, upon its return. And really, I want to thank Warchant, too, all my friends and coworkers here at Warchant, because I think uh, being able to bring this back, and we did it for so many years uh, at one of my previous stops, and then it had to go away uh, just because we couldn't get it done logistically. But since I've come over to War Chant, we've been able to rekindle this now, and I'm so glad that we have because it is something that uh, kind of fuels the soul, right? Makes you feel really good uh, about people again. And so that was a good time, and I want to thank everybody there. And obviously, we've, we've mentioned them a lot. I'll, I'll continue to shine a light in their direction as well, but the um, – the sponsors of that event are greatly appreciated and you know who you are. Uh, that was, uh, that, that was awesome. And, uh, players came out battles in providing some players for us. And that was neat as folks got to have some fun with that. But then obviously we led into the, uh, the big evening, which was the event at corner pocket where folks were able to come on by and get food and drink and have a good time. And then we did a little show together, little seminal headlines, get together. Corey asked Stephanie to marry him. Of course, she said yes. That was a cool moment as well. Everybody out on the deck watching that. And then uh, Saturday was the game. And uh, so, you know, Saturday, pregame show at Hotel Indigo always goes well. 
I enjoyed that with Tom and, and, and all of you who stopped by and said hello. Really isn't a better setting in the build-up to a game as you get the opportunity to overlook the intramural fields as people begin to file in in the stadium in the background, which is a, the facade of Doe Campbell Stadium is timeless. It's beautiful. Uh, and when I think back to when I was a little kid going to games and what that was to what it is now, you really are reminded of the progress over the years and uh, the house that Bobby built, if you will, and and that stadium is is impressive. So the game, you know, I don't big picture here, Tom, and I have my notes. I brought all my notes um, in terms of talking about the game itself and the players that stood out and the good, the bad, and everything. Uh, that was there. I, I Most of it was good, obviously. But a spring game is really more of an opportunity, I think, to get together with your friends, with your family, with your fellow Knowles, with uh, folks that uh, love the game and, and, and go enjoy it. Uh, the game itself is never all that riveting. It's a spring game. It's a scrimmage. It's situational. And, you know, no matter what they kind of do to try to spruce it up, it's just it's difficult. I Heard that from a lot of people, and that's why I tell people I don't go to that thing expecting fireworks and a great game. I mean, the last time that happened was long ago in terms of it being a game format, and I was there when Dan Kendra blew his knee. And I remember thinking, this this will never happen again, and it shouldn't. You know, you really can't afford to get guys hurt if you can help it um, before you actually play real football games in the fall. So it can be a little monotonous. Some people don't understand that oh, well, they're just doing situational stuff inside the 15 here. This is different over here. So I I get all of that. But you can still glean an awful lot of what you want from that, at least from those who played. And, uh, you know, I I think you would start with the fact that it was a great day for Kintron Portier. I mean, I think he's the guy that I would cite as having the best day as far as his future and his role within that segment group. You know, we've been asking all camp, Who's the number two? Who's the guy that you're going to be able to fall back on and trust to make plays if it's not Johnny Wilson? With Micah Pittman being out, kind of wanted to see that that Malik McLean transferring, who was going to be the guy? And Kentron played great. Three really nice plays with an opportunity at another one. So I I felt like he emerged uh, specifically, uh, and it was a great day for him. You know, you see the depth of this team when you're in a setting like this because a guy like C.J. Campbell stands out in a game like this where he gets a ton of work, you know, and he's not Rodney Hill. He's not Lawrence Tully Feely. He's not Trey Benson, but he's not bad. He's not a bad player, and you see how far down you go on this depth chart when you realize, like, that guy's probably the fourth running back. You know, maybe in certain situations, like, because Holmes is healthy, he might be the fifth running back, and yet he's pretty good. He's pretty good, you know, and he gets to – have a good day as well. Um, I thought too that um, late in the in the spring game that it was fun to watch Brock hook up. You know, first the Morlock pass down the seam that was a beautiful pass that's, on time. That's a good throw. Yeah, it's a really good throw. Um, and then later on he hits Jacobs and then he hits Hakeem. And you're like, there's the future. You're seeing this right. Brock is hitting those guys. You get the touchdown to Hakeem, um, but you get the pass to to Jacobs as well and. Uh, and so, you know, those are good moments where you kind of go, all right, that makes me feel good. Uh, I, I thought Toa Feely's speed on the touchdown run was a, a wonderful summary of what Florida State can be. And what I mean by that is you have Toa Feely's speed on the touchdown run in the second half, 
It's Julian Armella who leads the way in seals. And then you get a downfield block by Kentron Portier. So you got three things there that get you excited, right? You have that speed that he's probably the lone guy who has the kind of breakaway elusiveness and speed. Uh, Toa Feely's special in that way in the running back room. He's faster than all the other guys. So when he gets an opportunity, he can go. That space is created, though, because of a really good block on the right side by Julian Armella. And then, of course, all of this, the touchdown long runs are usually the byproduct of not just a hole that's being created at the line of scrimmage, but but because of downfield blocking by receivers. And Portier had already had a really good day at that point, you know, and, and really I thought sealed the deal there. Uh, you see the depth of the offensive line, so many different guys playing in so many different roles. Uh, I thought uh, Ho-Hum, Jordan Travis is Jordan Travis, had the nice t- pass, to, touchdown pass to Portier in the left corner was really nice. That's a nice touch over this left shoulder. It was a seed. He's uh, he's yeah. throwing the ball with more velocity this camp. I was glad he broke it out on Saturday for everybody else to see because that was one example of it. He started out shaky and making some poor decisions, yeah. but he bounced back, and by the end of it, he was on a run of, I think, eight out of nine passes, maybe eight out of ten. Well, I think it's just that we go, grow to expect him never to make mistakes because he's yeah. been so consistent. Yeah, well, I thought so, too. That option pitch was a lateral or backwards. You know, it's like a, it's a late triple I don't triple like that option. play, by the way. We run it a lot. It was more useful two years ago when Jordan was a one-trick pony. Correct. Now, now you don't need it. I get it. It's the spring game. I don't know that he'd make that decision against LSU, but... Let's put that in our pocket. We don't need that anymore unless we're facing, like, I don't know, Georgia, the national title game, and you want to take advantage of the fact yeah. that maybe they're overzealous. And then the pick, I thought, was just an excellent play by Kalen Deloach, who also had a good game, a very good game on Saturday. Uh, that's somebody who in the stadium a couple weeks ago when we saw on Thursday the Bobby Bowdenfield practice, Kalen was one of the better players on both sides of the ball that day. They go back in the stadium this weekend. He's one of the best players on the field. Uh, he wasn't credited with the strip on that fumble, I don't think. But he wasn't. Like, he stripped it and recovered it. I thought he did. I thought he did. Yeah. And that was most certainly going to be a scoop and score. The interception would have been, I don't know. Jordan's quick enough to get to him. We would have seen what happened. But it's most certainly a scoop and score that was not put on the board for the defense. Yeah, and the pick is a terrible throw, and it's late. Uh, he he diagnoses it. And... It's undercut. EJ did a good job of breaking that down on the yeah. ACC Network Extra. That 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 is cerebral in nature. Oh, yeah, it's not even his area. He's just like, yeah. well, but that'll happen when you're staring down a receiver. So I think it was kind of like, okay, well, but hey, at least he made a play. Kalen had a good day. I thought uh, Kalen had a really good day, and it's good to point that out. And and I, you know what else? We've said it all camp, and it was cool to see a play be made. Again, not a great throw, but. It's still nice to see Quindarius Jones with the interception. and That's another one. I like that kid. Yep, me too. Yeah, I, was, I like that kid. So, yeah, there was enough there to get you excited. Again, you get out of this thing without any major injuries, we think. Uh, you, you knock on wood with that. That's really, at the end of the day, all I really care about. Now, being in a position like we are in the media to see every one of these practices leading up to this, not a lot new happens for you in a spring game when you've seen all the ones leading up to the spring game. So it is a little bit different, the lens for which you're viewing it. But that's why I say when I go into these things, if you've seen all that stuff, you just want to get out of it without anybody getting hurt. And, and that happened. And that's, that's a big deal too. Yeah, the thing I'd say, and, and this is a compliment to the football team, is they didn't do anything out of character on Saturday Mm-mm. relative to what we get to see in practice. So I'm glad that the public, watching either on the stream service or, or being there in the stands, they got to see a representative afternoon. 
of what practice has been like for us. Uh, I'd hope you've been around on Warchant TV, Warchant.com, the podcast here, as we've broken down practices the last six weeks. Because if, if you have, a lot of the same names we were mentioning on a day-by-day basis were doing exactly as, as they did on Saturday, which is good. And, and that's a good thing to me because they were practicing well. If they were practicing poorly, then it would not be a good thing <laughs> that the spring game performed the same. But I think practice has been competitive. You're seeing more plays made rather than plays blown by somebody who can't do something. It's because somebody can do something. Kentron's a great example of that. But that's what we got on Saturday was the trend bears out before everybody. And I, I don't know that there were maybe more than two or three guys that did something drastically different than we've seen each and every practice that we get to go to. Yeah, bigger, stronger, faster across the board for the most part with this team. We'll have some questions going into fall camp. We're going to question the depth of the linebacker segment We'll tap, we'll, and the quality of that depth, and we'll question safety still. I think we still need to see somebody emerge um, with, with a level of consistency. Uh, but I think for the most part, now you just hold your breath because it's portal season, and everybody will kind of – take a step back and wonder who decides that the grass is greener somewhere else for them. And does Florida State choose, after having seen this camp, having gone through all of spring and now the spring game, do they do they decide, you know what, we didn't get this the way that we wanted it, we weren't able to find somebody emerge here, and then also, hey, look, let's look at those names. Already, it started. If you if you go online, you can monitor the portal, and you'll see some really big names out there. You're talking about defensive tackle from Georgia. Not that you need a defensive tackle, but point is, you, you see some big names out there across the board. Yeah, I think the thing to remember here, as this two week, you know, period plays out, is the process is the kid puts their name in the portal first. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have a destination. Can we let the Derek McClendon example? be a, a guiding light for us before we jump to conclusions. It's not to say that you're going to see a bunch of dudes enter their name in the portal and then go back to the schools that they you know, are thinking about leaving. It's just let the process play out one to two to three because this is all novel, even to coaching staffs and collectives and players. Mm-hmm. So one step at a time. It, you know, If a kid enters their name into the portal in Tennessee or Georgia, or wherever, name Ohio State a receiver, let's say. That doesn't mean that the kids go, and they may be holding out for more money at Ohio State. And so that process has to play out, and I think that's what's going to go on before our very eyes the next two weeks. Well, and I believe that this has to be a question that is answered across the board for all of these teams, and that is, as a coaching staff, what do you decide to do with a player who does that? You know, I mean, this is new to them, too. Uh, you want to you want to use the portal for leverage against us, and then I'm supposed to act like it's okay that if you didn't get what you wanted somewhere else, you can just come on back. And that's tough. That's a tough thing to kind of answer because I think you'd want to nip that in the bud real quick. Uh, if you if you were able to diagnose that that's exactly what that was, you're not going to be held hostage by people now. That's that's no. that's a problem. That's the decision. A lot of different programs that are in our circumstance and even more healthy circumstances, they're going to have to choose. They're going to have to choose. All right, we're going to renegotiate with this guy and we'll up his money because he did well in spring or because there was an injury in front of him on the depth chart so we're more desperate. Like The math is going to be different for every single player. All I'm saying is just because you see a player's name in the portal doesn't mean they're leaving. They might be trying to do the holdout thing. 
And uh, that sucks. And <laughs> I'm sure that makes a lot of old timers queasy, but that's where we are right now. But I, I just think also, though, it forces the hand of a program. Let's, we'd be naive to suggest that coaching staffs and collectives, however you want to describe them, aren't working together in some way. I mean, the collective has to get an answer as to what do we do here with a player who may be threatening because they've asked for more money and the budget's the budget. You know, every school does it differently. Every collective does it differently. But if you've decided that this player is valued at such and such, well, I mean, the first time that kid decides, well, I'm hearing rumors that I can get 150000 more over here, do you come off the wallet? Or do you say, well, that, best of luck to you. And you don't want to be it's – it's a thin line, though, to yeah, walk. You really don't is. want to be Miami and reset your own market every year. You can't. Especially when you can't afford it on the front well, end. Well, and they're a mess now. They're, they're, they're a laughing stock of college football. As is usually the case. It's been that way since I was uh, unable to drive a car. Yeah. What's also funny is all of the moments for Miami in which there is this temporary glimpse of a better future, or at least they view it to be. And then everybody else, having watched this movie play out before, says, well, well just wait. You'll see. You're not going to like the ending. This isn't going to go the way you think it is. And then time goes by, and there's evidence that the script is falling apart that this character development is not going in the intended direction and the denial from the willing audience who wants to see this thing end in a different way while everybody else who's done doesn't have a vested interest in they their story goes nope nope they blew it they blew it they did they blew the ending and then we watch it happen and you're like well now what you're not back after all not even close yeah, I think the month of October, November has been good to them once in the last 20 years. That's when they had that 10-0 and run, and that was cute. Other than that, you could tell what months of the year they're not going to be relevant. <laughs> and typically those coincide, if you do the little Venn diagram, with football season, when the games are played. That's usually when they're totally and completely irrelevant. On that note, it's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant. TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. 
And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. You know, I was thinking just from a health standpoint and in a numbers standpoint, this isn't a direct shot at the actual kids manning the position. Before the break, we mentioned the spring transfer portal and how we'll now all be monitoring who's going where and how many different names and you know, do any of them cause you to raise an eyebrow? You know, in all all spring, I've talked about a lack of depth and a lack of dynamic linebacker play. Now, again, I think you're fine with your two starters, but I think you could use some more depth, and I think you could use some more talent in that group. And they, uh, Jaheim Thomas is the kid of Cincinnati. I saw somebody mention in the chat, and it was the first thing I read this morning, too was that he's got two years of eligibility remaining. I don't know that he'll be around for all two years, but dude's 6'4", 245, and led the team in tackles last year with 93. He's good. He's available. It's just somebody that helps ensure that if for some reason you were to have somebody miss any time at the position, that maybe you'd be all right. Hey, man, Omar Graham had a good Saturday, and that he caps did. a string of two, two and a half weeks of good practices that I've been to. 36 yeah. doing some things. I'm, I, I like Omar Graham. I do. I might look at a linebacker. Um, I don't know enough about the 24 games that the Auburn linebacker has played in his three seasons there, the Desmond Tisdall kid. Um. He only played six games last year. I, 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 don't, I haven't seen enough of him to say we'd, we'd go after that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't look too much at, um, you know, tackle counts or things like that because Tatum was 100-plus every year. Right. You know, it, it doesn't, that doesn't guarantee you that you've got a player better than what you have here, even if the tackle count is high. Unless it was Luke Keekley level 172 <laughs> tackles. Something insane. In eight games. Seems to have yeah. pretty good instincts. <laughs> I will point this out because it's Schottenfreud and it's fun to point this out. It's also just in terms of the landscape of college football, you know, you don't have to like you ask yourself over and over again, well, is it just because I'm rooting for this? So therefore I'm seeing more of it or is it because it's happened a lot independent of my feelings towards it? Oh, and the answer to this, what I'm about to say is it's because it's happened a lot. Matthew Wyckoff, uh, who started nine games last year for Texas A&M at center, is in the portal. He allowed all of one sack and 545 snaps. Oh, my. He's the 26th player from Texas A&M to enter the portal since December. That's impressive for a lot of reasons. Number one, the complexity of Jimbo's offense. 
Number two, they don't get the ball out quickly. So if you've only given up one sack from the interior. In 545 snaps. This ain't exactly the option that they're running out there. 26th player from A&M to enter the portal since December. Things are going swimmingly at Texas A&M. <laughs> Did you say 26? 26. Oh, my God. 26. And if you go back to that press conference at the start of spring. Is when, that the big league roster for Major League Baseball? When he alluded to, uh, hey, you know, these things happen. Uh, some guys get there. They come in, and they, they just it's not for them. Mm-mm. No, man, 26 times. He was an all-SEC honor as a freshman in 2022. Uh, he's 6'6", played in 12 games, started nine right off the bat, gave up one sack, has three years of eligibility left. Whoa. All signs point to goodness. Yeah, whoa, is right. That's who you call? Oh, that dude's getting paid. That's a lot of money coming to that young man because it's not a one-year rental. You will get him as a transfer, so short of him graduating. Yeah, he can't really go anywhere. He's stuck with you, and you want to be stuck with that guy. So, you know, let's keep an eye out. I'm just saying there may be a guy there that you are interested in. <laughs> That's funny. You start the segment, you're talking about linebackers. You go, oh, my God, with the linebackers. I mean, can't we appreciate the good spring game? And then you rattle off these numbers and go, ooh, yeah. ooh. <laughs> All right. Or maybe. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe, the guy. maybe that's, that's the guy. Take a look at the catalog every day. Yeah. Well, it is fun. You know, this is the aspect. If you don't get embittered, and there's a reason to be uh, jaded, but if if you don't uh, get that way, and rather you kind of look at this as more fodder and more intrigue on a daily basis, um, you know, I, I, I'm always kind of like, well, let's get up and read the trades. Let's find out what we got. You know, I need a I need a guy here. I need a guy here on the docks. I need a guy over here. We got a guy. Oh, this guy's got a lot of experience. Where has he worked? You know, and you go through and you look. Oh, the Spencer family, huh? Those guys do good work. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty. Maybe we'll look at him on the docks. Like all of a sudden, you're just you're looking at guys' potential, and I crack up when I did that this morning. Cup of Joe, me transfer portal. <laughs> Just like who's there? I just want to know if the dog likes him. If the dog at Texas A&M believes in this young man, oh. <laughs> then that's okay. Then we got us one. Revelry? Yeah. Revelry, revelry. Revelry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I, I, I want to look at that center, and I want to look at the Cincinnati linebacker. Just take, just take a glance. Take a look at what we got there. Might be a little something, something to look into. Those two guys. You know, I can't help but notice the hat you're wearing today is is red and black. So I'm wondering, did you get that at NC State this weekend, and did you try to talk that linebacker into entering the portal? Oh, God. I'd wear his jersey on the air if we could. Yes, you would. Cut off sleeves. That kid is a beast. No, no, I didn't get that at NC State this weekend. I've had this for a couple of months. I It fell behind the couch, and apparently over the weekend when my wife was cleaning, she's like, did you know you're red and black? Cap was behind the cap. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Glad you found it. But they got, you know, did was there to me sitting around watching that game? Again, nothing stood out that was new. There wasn't, you know, had a lot of guys out, and it was, it was, you know, just a, a typical spring game. There were moments where you thought, Okay, well, I like that. That's further confirmation that this player's coming along nicely or that they're really all set here. I will say that I think 
more than anything, the day-to-day practice and this game itself and the talking points around this football team, I think are accurate. And that is that they're a lot deeper than they have been in a long time. And maybe the deepest they've ever been since, and I've been covering almost 25 years. That's crazy. Um, If you take the offensive and defensive line and combine the number of players that would give you quality reps that are not only going to be asked to play, but if they had to play. So some of the guys further down on the depth chart. If you asked this guy to play, the number of players that you could say, I feel good if this is the case, has maybe never been greater. You know, because you go five deep on the interior of the defensive line easily. And you've got 13 on the offensive line. And then, yeah, I guess you would say we probably need another defensive end, maybe. But I don't remember a time where I could sit around and recite nearly 20 players that if they had to play in that moment, you'd be worried about. I mean, not worried about that. You'd say, yeah, no, they're good enough. They're really good. I mean, I'm not telling you that they have 13 A-plus quality starters on the offensive line. I'm telling you that they have, yes, at least eight Panama Jack, at least eight on the offensive line that I feel very good about. I might stretch that number further, that if you had to play a guy that's not going to be a starter this year, a guy that I project I think will be a backup, they've got... Uh, several guards that if they played, I'd be like, we're going to be all right. We're going to be okay. Nothing, nothing terrible is going to happen today with him at guard. No, I, I agree. There's, um, you could even go down the, the roster if we wanted to as an exercise, and you'd get probably to 10 yeses. I think you would get to 10. I think eight or nine is probably that sweet spot about week in, week out. You can trust this guy. But in a pinch, the number could get to maybe 12. You know, like in a pinch. Oh, man, a guy went down for a series or two. Yeah, can we right. play so-and-so we, here? Yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. absolutely could. Estes, Armella, those would be guys. Absolutely. Oh, well, certainly that would be. I mean, Armella could still end up starting. Could end up starting. I, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I'm not projecting him to start right now, but I'm telling you I, I wouldn't be stunned if in the fall he comes back even stronger. He's a hard worker. He's going to put in the time. And if that's the case, then, you know, who knows? Maybe – our guy said it himself. Alex Atkins said he's stunned all the time that he doesn't count people out. Yeah. That no, he'll that's... that he'll sit back and say, okay, he's not ready yet. And then all of a sudden, boom, guy takes a massive leap, has a eureka moment, gets over, is able to get past whatever the barrier is that has been, you know, keeping him down. I think that's probably true for a couple guys, and Armel is one of them. I wonder if he's gonna be a badass guard at the next level. He's just so athletic. And if you want to, you know, move him around as they like to do in this offensive scheme, it are would you get more out of his athleticism to be in the interior than to play tackle? I don't know. The good thing is, is it's not a roster and a segment group full of guards any longer. No, you have tackles. Just, you have real tackles. You know, yeah. nine guards and two of them just got to play tackle. You've got three or four tackle options right here, right now. And when Lucas Simmons gets strong enough up top, he'll have a, a, a starter. And that could be as soon as next year that you have somebody who's a redshirt freshman is going to be a lockdown starter for you for a couple of years at tackle. It's just so many of the rooms on that roster have flipped. You know, we got a commitment from B.J. Gibson over the weekend. It happened just after the postgame show was over. It's a four-star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's a two-sport athlete, plays baseball as well. 
That is the fourth wide receiver commit in the 2024 class. And according to Michael, they could take as many as five or six because they project a lot of guys leaving, you know, obviously for greener pastures, more money, the NFL from the 2023 roster. You could have five or six blue chip wide receivers in one class. Think about the discussion just 18 months ago about how we never signed those types of guys. And already on campus are Vandravis Jacobs and Hakeem Williams, who both had their moments in Saturday's spring game. That's a room that it felt like it was never going to flip, along with offensive line, and they have in a big way. By the way, Jacobs catch on that on, on the sideline. Yeah, late in the game. Yeah. yeah. The catch itself is whatever. It's the stuff afterwards. Yeah. Where he keeps his balance and tight ropes after being thrown and then kind of makes two people miss in the stop start, and he gets an extra 20 yards by just being that guy. You know, somebody who can make you miss in a phone booth. Right. Impressive? Absolutely. Stunning to you and me and anybody else who's been to no, practice? No, right. No, no, no. It's not stunning at all. So, I like Jared's question about do we have a roster loaded with good players, but maybe not as many elite players in terms of national title teams. I think that's kind of a, it, it's a fun question to answer. I'll do it next. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good Monday, everybody. All right, so we I mentioned it. There was a question in the chat that I liked and I wanted to expound. It was kind of something I was going to get into to begin with because I thought about this. I contemplated this to some degree while watching the spring game, The excuse me, the spring showcase. Uh, Boy, they're really particular about that, aren't they? I, I, let me tell you. So, Tom, this is interesting. Um, you know, as somebody whose wife works in the school system and deals with parents all the time, there's good and bad of that. Uh, but you, I hear back via her a lot from listeners. People, not people that I run into directly, but people who know she's married to me, and they come in there to pick up their kid or drop off their kid. And they're like, hey. You know, tell Jeff this, this, and that. I'm sure that's her favorite thing Oh, I'm to sure hear. she loves it. Tell Jeff, yeah. dot, dot, dot. Or, or they'll just give I'll their... get on it. Or they'll just give their observations and, you know, knowing that she's probably going to tell me. You know, like, oh, well, I had a lot of parents say this about a thing. It could be anything. It could be about something Florida State's doing, an initiative. It could be a fundraising event. It could be the game itself. It could be whatever. You know, something that everybody's excited about, like the LSU game. So there was, a, you know, a lot of feedback about the spring game. And I was telling her she took the kids to that game because we were doing the pregame show. You know, that she came by with the, with the boys. And he had Bryce and Clark had uh, – Bryce had his friends. And they were going and all this other stuff. And so they go as just a fan experience. They go, you know, like you normally would. There's no press element to it. So I do. I pick their brains a lot about – you know, what'd you like? What didn't you like? What were some of the things? But I tried to tell them going into the weekend. I'm like, now, you know, by the way, that this, the spring game is, is not really a game. I mean, there's some game elements to it, but it's not really a game. Doesn't have the same vibe. You kind of got to be hardcore to like a spring game. You got to be looking for depth, you know, considerations. You got to be watching closely at a true freshman. Who's not even going to play this year just because you want to see how they look in advance. 
you know, this is the stuff of the 90s where I loved, we did this at actual games because we were so much better than everybody in the ACC, and most of the time the game was out of control or out of hand midway through the second quarter. And so you got all these opportunities to see kids come in and play that you're not going to rely on to start for you in, for two years. But you'd watch so-and-so play, and you'd be like, oh, man, did you see? It was right after we went up 56 to nothing. They brought in the freshman to play. You know, right? remember it was the first half? I think it was late in the second quarter. We were up 37 to 3, and we ran that back-to-back series where we had, you know, like these are the conversations that everybody had in the 90s, and it was hilarious. Looking back on it now, I mean, we thought it was normal. Looking back on it now, it's an unbelievable luxury because you could get so many reps for guys. There are no pressure reps, but they could feel what it was like, feel the juice to be under the lights, to have the moment, right, to, to have the fans locked in, to, to make a play with your adrenaline pumping. By the time they were really relied upon, they played a lot of football. They would played plenty of reps. They'd been out there. Well, you know, I, that kind of stuff is a lot more fun to watch in a game setting than it is in a situational scrimmage. And so I tell everybody when they're going to the spring game, if you're not really been, don't expect to have the same kind of fun and don't expect it to be electrifying. It's really just kind of a, hey, this is this is kind of some guys we got and pretty cool. We're going to put them in situations. And I think FSU and Mike and them, they know it. That's why they emphasize showcase. It's not really a game at all. Sure. Maybe they had a focus group that said showcase is the word. Let's go with showcase. Well, Run with it, Jerry. Because if you say game and people walk in and see it's not a game, they're pissed. Yeah. They're bored and they're pissed. So they started this year not with two-point plays, but from the 12-yard line. Uh, I was driving home, and I was listening on the radio for the first series with Jordan, which apparently I got way more information than anybody that was watching on the stream because they cut to commercial <laughs> in the middle of a play. They missed it. And yeah. they've got a zoomed-in angle of Jordan Travis as he's handing off on a read option, and they're just talking about him like they're you know resetting the intro. So, like Jordan Travis is going to be a big-time player for Florida State this year. <clears throat> Heisman campaign, as there's a play going on, and they're zoomed in on him. I went back, I watched that, I chuckled. Uh, but I, I heard C.J. Campbell's 12-yard touchdown run, for example, on the radio. So I knew what happened, and everybody on social media and on the boards and in the chat are just decrying what was a horrible, horrible start to the broadcast. But from there, they just showed the football. And I thought they did a much better job with the format this year. Florida State did, that is. Yeah. Which is, it's just series after series after series. And then when they had some momentum going at the end of the quote-unquote first quarter, they said, the hell with the clock. Let's just keep going for untimed downs. There was a lot of 11-on-11 football. So kudos to them. But it's also something, to your point, that you can do when you have a deep and talented roster. Absolutely. Um, That is without question. And you think about... What was the number? 207 combined starts for the offensive linemen that they have on this roster. And and it shows because you have all kinds of depth there. And there is a ton of talent and experience at quarterback, offensive line, running back, wide receiver. You can go on and on and on with this group. So going back to the question that was, which is, you know, in comparison, well, I should say that's a follow-up that, that he wrote. The question was, do we have a roster loaded with good players, but maybe not as many elite players in terms of a national title team? I think that's true. I think that's probably true. How many players on this team would you look at and say they are elite 
players, national championship caliber players. You'd say that about Jordan Travis. He's a Heisman candidate going into the season. Yeah. Remember, when we do this, when we go through this exercise, it is not to suggest what they are at the pro level. It's what they are in collegiate football. Yep. Jordan Travis in collegiate football is an elite quarterback. Yes, correct. With expectations of playing on an elite level. All right. Jared Verse is going to be a projected, and again, this doesn't have to do with their NFL careers, but it's nice as an indicator. What is he thought of in terms of a difference-making ability off the edge in college football? Well, he's thought of as a guy that might get drafted in the first round. That was last year they said that about him. Well, he comes into this year bigger and stronger, and I think probably even hungrier to make the kind of impact he could have made last year had he not been hurt. So he's healthy now. He's always been invested. He's a hard worker. Stands to reason that he's going to be an elite player, certainly in this conference, but I think he'd be an elite player in college football this year. That's two. Okay, so that's two that we're sure of. The second half of last season, the second half of last season, suggests that Trey Benson can be an elite running back. Could be. He looked at... He certainly looked it at the end of last year. Now, he's weird because he has games where all of a sudden he's not the difference maker you think he should be. Like the bowl game. And then there are games where he can't be tackled. He's too big, too strong, too fast. But if he can find that consistency that he was lacking last year, and one certainly can suggest that he should because he believes in his knee now. He believes he's healthy. So he can trust it. He can, you know plan it and go and run over people as well as run around them. All right, so he might be three. Is there anybody else? So you would probably say Johnny Wilson. I'm not sure I would. Yep. I think he's a really good college receiver who has a chance to take a, yet a big step, another big step. Zero hesitation on my part. Okay. he is. I mean, when you're talking about college football, this is not like a, a Hall of Fame argument. Of you course, know, in the yeah. pros where it's you know the answer is yes immediately. This is are are you capable of putting on a Georgia jersey, an Ohio State jersey, an Alabama jersey, and being a starter and being a difference maker? The answer is yes for Johnny, hundred percent. I think it's close. Um, I, man, the way that Bama's churned out receivers lately, I'm not so sure. It's but. a unique skill set, though. Like, even Bama, the mighty Bama, who is a factory. Yeah. Since Julio Jones changed it all, and they've had, like, 84 cents. Right. This is a different body type with a unique skill set that is a nightmare to match up against. Yeah, the 6-7 part of that is true. I, I Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe specific to college football, I'll give you that he, he can be considered elite. Uh, I need him to consistently catch the, the easy ones though for that to be the case even without him he goes for two bills but my one well, but not every game and there are games right. where you know those are the catches you're going to get i need you sure. to make them so we'll see um i hope so I, I think certainly it's fair to say potentially he is yeah jaheem bell you want to put him in there you think he's going to be an elite tight end this year it's a projection you can't do it based upon past performance because we're not going to use it the way south carolina did um, but it's possible. Yeah, he's unique. He's unique. Speaking of unique, I mean, he's got the size and speed, and he's kind of, in a weird way, positionless on the offense. Like, you put him at tight end, put him at H-back, put yep. him in the backfield if you want to, just as a tailback, you could. And you put you could, that combined with Jordan and Trey and Johnny on the field at the same time. I mean, oh, the, the choices you have to make as a coordinator. 
Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. That's it on offense. I mean, I don't think we think that anybody going into this season, I mean, even if you wanted to say that one of the offensive linemen would take another step forward, are any of those guys elite offensive linemen? I don't think so. Probably not yet. Not yet. You, you're going to – Lucas Simmons it. will grow into an elite. Byers could be. Yeah. You but, know, but, but it's it's UTEP. It's too early. Yeah. So, no. I think we're done there. Yeah. D-tackle, D you could have an argument for two or three more guys. D-tackle, you can with Daryl Jackson. You need Fabian to have the year we thought he was going to have last year prior to the injury. He's got to be hungry, and, and, and I think he will be. Obviously, it's a money year. So, yeah, I, he could be. I already mentioned Jared Verse. Farmer could be in that conversation as well. Like for me, elite would be for that particular position group. Would you be in that four man rotation at a Georgia or an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson? And I think we've got three or four guys that would be in the four man rotation yeah. at those universities with Braden Fisk being an uh, and we'll, we'll incomplete wait, great. We'll wait and see. Yeah. yeah. But, but given what he was as a recruit coming out of high school and where he went, you wouldn't necessarily assume that he's going to be an elite player. Could be a really good player for could you. Yeah. Could end up being a really good player for you. Uh, but I think we're done. That's it. That's the end of that. Yeah. There, there is no other player that you're going to say that about right now. Now, again, a lot of people would say, well, in due time, I think so-and-so. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right in due time. But going into this next season, I think we would probably cap it at six, five, maybe. I think if you stretch it really thin, you could get to maybe eight. Because of the defensive interior, you could rack up three guys right there real fast. But, yeah, I think surefire things, four to six, four to six. But guys emerge every year at all these power programs. So, you know, the conversation changes within a few weeks. Yeah, but we're projecting based on what we saw all throughout camp and what we expect their role to be either in the offense or the defense. And so it's a little bit more, I mean, without it being, you know, kind of, Arrogant. It's a little bit more informed, though. We see these guys every day. Sure. Yeah. Vandravis could be one of those guys, too. Yeah. Not soon. year one, but soon. Soon. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Kemper Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.